Hey, what is up, ISM? Welcome to episode 13 of the ISM show. We are super happy to have you guys with us today. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Today, uh, what we've decided to do is uh, we're just going to do a little bit of a question and answer time. And, uh, you know, the boys uh, here, the young men, have decided to pull together a couple of different questions that they just want to ask about uh, healthy ministry and what healthy ministry life looks like. Um, and what I think is cool is that you guys are going to be asking these questions, but if you're one of our youth leaders or one of our incredible pastors that's just following along live uh, or you're in the feed, please feel free uh, to, to add your own insight into any of the questions that they're asking. The only reason that I'm answering the questions right now is because I'm, I'm the guy that's here, right? <laughs> so, uh, but we absolutely want you to um, fill in uh, any blind spots that I left out as well. Uh, and students, if you have any opinions or if you have any insight that you'd like to add to the conversation, please feel free to do that as well. I want you guys to take an opportunity. Like, I think we have a generation um, that's coming up uh, right now. And I just, I, I feel like we have a, we have a, we have a generation that has lost respect mm -hmm. for the people that have come before them. They've lost respect for authority. Right. And I think there's good reasons for that. Uh, but the problem is, is that like you end up throwing the baby away with the bathwater sometimes. Uh, I know that we don't have the greatest examples of authority uh, sometimes in our life. And, and what ends up happening is, is we create these trust issues. And so we're not going to listen to anybody that's come before us. We're just going to try and figure it out on our own. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, what would yeah. you say to your generation about the importance of asking questions to people that have come before them and have, and have been successful in ministry uh, or not even just ministry, but like just, just life, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So what, what would you say to them? It's just, like we don't know anything <laughs> right here where we're at. <laughs> you know some we, things for we, sure. We don't know everything. Okay, that's that's the right way to to phrase that. We don't know everything. I would and say I know little. <laughs> <laughs> um, we definitely know some things that the older generation doesn't know, and the older generation knows a lot more than we know about life. And that's why it's very important to, you know, just ask questions. So, you know? so when you guys look for a mentor. Um, or you look for somebody to maybe disciple you or to take care of you or to just show you kind of like the, some of the pathways in life. Like, how do you approach that? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, okay, go ahead. One of the things that like I definitely look for is someone who's going to be more spiritually mature than I am. Not saying like I'm like all the way up here and everything because I know <laughs> like I'm I mean I'm probably not but like I'm looking for someone who has experience in life more than me like I'm not gonna look for like I'm not gonna look to Cole to be my spiritual mentor like I look up to him but like at the same time like no that's totally yeah, fair yeah. yeah like mentorship shouldn't come from peer level oh yeah. no right mm -hmm. yeah there's things to gain from your peers there's there's advice and there's experience that that are there uh, because they might have a different perspective on things mm -hmm. right so that's important but when it comes to mentorship you want you want to look for somebody in in kind of like maybe a generation above you mm -hmm. who has done some of the things that you're looking to do well yeah and so you're not only trying to figure out like hey how did you do ministry uh but you're also asking them hey what are some of the mistakes that you've made that you think i should avoid 
as well, right? Yeah. And and I would also say to like to my generation, um, to not be afraid to ask a younger generation questions as well. Like I think that the older that I get, and I'm a district youth director, right? So I still like my job still revolves a whole lot around like children's ministry and youth ministry, junior hires and high schoolers. But as I'm getting older, and I'm almost 40 years old now, as I'm getting older, I I actually have to like be more intentional of asking mm-hmm. you guys questions, people in your generation questions about like, hey, what holds your attention? Um, like, what what are what are some what are sh- some things that we we need to be discussing right now that are culturally relevant to you? What means a lot to your generation? How do you learn the best? Right. So I think there's a mutuality uh, that that that. That, that needs to be expressed yeah. uh, between the generations for sure. But um, that's why we're doing this. Is we're, we're just asking questions today. And they're going to be asking me a lot of questions. But what they didn't know is that, like, I might fire questions back at them randomly as well. Uh, so why don't we just go ahead and get this thing kicked off? Cole, why don't you open us up in prayer? Okay. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, Jesus, be with us in this time. God, we love you so much. Amen. We were talking earlier about a life verse, you and I were, and yeah, you yeah. said you don't have a life verse. Rather, you have like a life chapter of the Bible. Rather, the Bible. You, you said you have the entire Bible as your- This is my life verse. As your life life verse. <laughs> and like every single day you wake up at one in the morning and you read the entire Bible. So props to you. Um, every day. Every single day. But no, like you were talking about I a life chapter. Grams. <laughs> the worst cereal of ever. And I read cereal. my Bible. <laughs> but no, you're talking about having a life chapter. And so uh, basically, I just wanted to ask you with that life chapter, what, why do you have that life chapter yeah. as like the thing that well, motivates you and how do you live that out? Yeah. So let me just begin by talking about like the whole concept of life verses are great. I think I think it's good. I think it's really good for people to to have verses, but I've just never been that kind of, I've just never been that kind of person. Like I have this, I have a couple of life verses. I don't know if it's because I'm just, I'm, I'm like severely ADD. <laughs> like I just can't focus on one verse for my entire life. Um, or if it's just the fact that like, I think sometimes um, we rely on, on one verse, one verse and, and mm-hmm. we like, I kind of misapply it sometimes because it's our, it's our life verse. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I really feel like there's different verses and there's different scripture, uh, that apply to different seasons in our life. You know, the word of God is living and active. And I, I think that because the word of God is living and active, that there are different verses that can speak to you in different seasons of your life. So I don't know that I necessarily have a life verse. I think that it's good for us to be, um, very have a have a self awareness, just understand our own weaknesses, understand what season of ministry we're in, so that we can we can really have effective and efficient devotionals uh, and, and and Bible study time, so that we can we can make it through uh, kind of different seasons in our life. I you know if I had a life verse ten years ago, I don't know that it would be the same life verse mm-hmm. that I have now. That's true. Now I do what I was telling you is that I do have I do have a a, a chapter in, in the Bible. Uh, I wouldn't call it a, a it, it's a life verse. It's it's a ministry verse for me, and it's and it's mm-hmm. Psalm 101. Um, can I read it to you guys really quickly? Go ahead. Like, listen to this. This is so, this is really incredible stuff. And I want you guys to think about, like, these verses that I'm about to read, almost as, it, like, in, in the context of, of ministry 
and being a, a man of God, or if you're watching, being like a strong woman of God. Like, just, just listen to this. And this is a Psalm of David. It says this, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs, and I will be careful to live a blameless life. So there's just, it just opens up with a life of worship. We're, we're just going to be continually worshiping God, no matter what season of life that we're in. When will you come to help me? So, like, I love this because this is just an expectation of God's help. This isn't questioning, God, where are you? This is, when are you going to come to help me? He's expecting it. He Mm -hmm. knows that God is going to come through. Listen to this. It says, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. So he's going to be privately healthy first. That's the foundation, right? I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly and I will have nothing to do with them. So be careful who you surround yourself with, right? I will reject perverse ideas. Be careful what you subscribe to in your life. And I will stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. So we're, we're, we're not going to be surrounding ourselves with people who are gossipers or who tear other leaders down or easily talk behind people's backs, right? I will not endure (laughs) conceit and pride. So I'm not going to, I'm going to stay humble, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. And I love how this ends. Listen to this. I will, my daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Mm. Like, I love that David writes that and, and closes it. Like, my daily task is to ferret out the wicked. You, you know that they actually, like, that's, that's actually an, an old school term. They actually used to use ferrets. Mm like to hunt foxes and rabbits, they would mm. put ferrets in like these holes in the ground and the ferrets would chase out things that were underground or beneath the surface. So as, as a pastor, it's not just about like confronting sin. It's about building relationship with mm-hmm. people so that you wow. can get beneath the surface and ferret out wickedness from people. That, that involves relationships. Yeah. So I think Psalm 101 is a verse that I read uh, probably a, a, a multiple, multiple times a month just to remind myself yeah. to worship, to expect the Lord, to watch who I'm surrounding myself with, to stay humble, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to not talk about people behind their back, to just trust God with my calling and to make sure that I'm building relationships that get beneath the surface and ferret out wickedness so that I can build people up in the Lord. Wow. No. That's that's awesome. I love that's I so love good. Psalm one oh one. I wish I, I, I need to like get a poster and like just hang it <laughs> in my office, man. I think it's just such a such a cool, like just kind of almost I don't know if manifesto is the right word. Like like I think it's a really cool charge mm-hmm. for, for anybody who's who's who, who who would call themselves a Christian and who would call themselves a Christian leader. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. What about you guys? What are your life verses? Oh gosh! Oh, you, like you said, like you said, it's been, it changes. Like, mine's, do you want? Oh, that's yeah. I I I I started off. Do you want to borrow this and say, "Oh, here it is." <laughs> here, right here. Um, no, like it started off being Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And then I think it says like Jesus said, or says Jesus, uh, whatever. But like that's like that's that definitely used to be. Jesus. Yeah. It was definitely Jesus who said that, and that was just at the point where when I first started like giving my life to Christ and yeah. started my whole journey. Yeah. Cause 
no, his things are crazy, you know, and yeah. I and I just knew, uh, just having that childlike faith and going back to to Jesus every single time was the thing that just kept me going. And also being a reflection of that too, like people having the ability to come to you that mm-hmm. are heavy laden, that are burdened with all of the expectations of the world, and as a man of God. And as the people of God, I think we have a responsibility to, to, to reflect that kind of like that nature of Jesus. Like when people come to us, we're not going to lay extra burdens and extra rules on top of them. We're actually going to free them from all of those burdens. And we're going to free them from all of those rules by introducing them uh, to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. who builds relationship. Yeah. And now instead of being compelled, compelled by legalism, we're being compelled by love yeah. to live a life worthy of our high calling, like it says in Ephesians 4. A lot of times, um, like in life and in like our current culture, there's a lot of like uh, position over people. It's a lot of how can I further myself? How can I um, get all that I can for me? Uh, but something that you have um, talked about and something you have uh, kind of like spoken into us, well, at least me, I hope Cole too, well, sure. is the idea of like people over position. It's building the relationships. Um, so uh, like... It's not like a specific, like concrete question. It's like, can you talk about that a little bit, um, or like, why? Like, pretty much <laughs> the why behind the what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, for sure, because I think we're we're called to be like Jesus Christ, and Jesus put people over his position. Um, now, I, I want to say that with balance, right? Mm-hmm. Because Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and the Bible says very clearly that every day, one knee will bow. Uh, every every knee will bow to him, right? Uh, that we're going to take our positions, we're going to take our titles, we're going to take our crowns, and we're going to cast them at the feet of Jesus Christ. So I'm saying this with like all of that perspective in mind, but I want you to think about like the idea that God humbled himself. He stepped off of his throne. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and, and so like if, if we're trying to be like Jesus, then we cannot use people to get to a, to a better position but we should always use the position we find ourselves in to make people better. Mm-hmm. I think that we get we get caught up sometimes in like the title game and in the comparison game. But what I'm finding about this next generation, and I really I really love this about your generation, is you you could care less about a person's title. Um, you you want to see their character. You want to mm-hmm. know about their integrity, right? So. I appreciate so many people who are trying to lead by their title, but at the end of the day, you can only go so far. Yeah. Right. Um, I think I think it's incredibly important for leaders in the church right now to start to start realizing um, that their greatest influence is going to come through relationships. Right. And if you're using people to get to a position, uh, then you're burning those relationships, and 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 mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's a, it's a really terrible thing. It's a really sad thing, and um, I think I think we need to grow. I think we need to grow out of that for sure. Yeah, I want to just add on because something that whenever I was with Pastor Joey mm-hmm. this past week, something that he brought to my attention um, whenever it was Jesus with his disciples, and this is just something cool, and it just came to mind as we're talking about this. But at the end, like the one of the last things that. Jesus says to his disciples like before he's about to ascend into heaven is that, you know, he now sees them as friends. And you're talking all about like this relationship, you know, not like putting your position 
over them. And like, that's not what Jesus did. It's even in the very end, whenever he's about to ascend into heaven, he's like right on a level ground with his disciples calling him friends. And you're right. That's, it's awesome how, how we should continue to live our lives too. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh, you know, I, I think the Bible on, on repeat talks about us serving people, um, that if we want to be great, we have to become the least, yeah. right? And um, the Bible talks over and over again about um, putting other people's needs above your own, seeing people as better than yourself, right? And I think it's incredibly important for us to keep that in mind, especially in ministry, um, because, you know... <sighs> I think sometimes, especially now in this day and age, we lose sight of that. And I think we're seeing that. Like, so let's just take social media as a, for, for an example, right? Like, as the people of God, this isn't even like title. This is like, this is like the people of God needing to keep this in mind. That positionally, um, if, we are in, if we are in a position of divine authority because we are the children of God, um, then, then we need to make it easy for the people who are not in that position to, to gain that position. And I think how we feel about somebody, whether they're of a different political affiliation or if they're of a different belief than us, they could be a very rude person. Um, we still have to respond in love. And, and the way that I would say that is, I think that the way we feel about people always has to submit to the way God feels about people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, because, because really, like we can have any title that we want to at the end of the day, God is the leader. The first rule of leadership is that God is the leader, right? And so if he's the leader, then we have to do things his way, not our way. We are not the boss and God told us to serve. So like, that's why, that's Mm -hmm. why we do it. Like if for no other reason, it's because God said, because God said so. And I'm here to honor God. I'm not here to honor culture because culture isn't the authority, I'm not here to honor leadership culture because leadership culture isn't the authority. God is the authority. And we become the best leaders when we follow the greatest leader. That's all. Amen. Awesome. Um, So next question that I got here. This is kind of talking more about uh, just some culture stuff. So from the perspective of you being a youth pastor, um, I know you did this a lot with us in Uncommon before you became DYD. Um, what do you look for in student leaders? And yeah. how do you cultivate that that uh, that culture, student leader culture in your youth group? Uh, well, okay, th- that's a multifaceted question, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of different things that I'm doing to cultivate a culture of leadership and to cultivate student leaders. Um, I think the traditional model um, that I've always kind of railed against was find your alphas mm-hmm. in the youth ministry and try to disciple leadership into them. That's actually kind of a broken model. I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that at all. Um, that that works. Um, that works occasionally, um, but I don't think it's the most efficient way uh, to 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 raise up student leaders. What I'm looking for is kids who are consistent. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for kids who are who 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 want to show up, who want to take notes, who who want to be in their word, 
And obviously, as a leader, as a, somebody who's discipling, I'm discipling that, yeah. right? I'm, I'm telling students like, hey, this is the direction that you want to go in. This is who Jesus is calling you to be. And when I see kids naturally start latching on to that, those are the kids that are going to grab my attention, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you will have natural leaders in your youth ministry. You will have these alphas, right, mm-hmm. that are just going to come in and they're going to have this massive personality. They're just going to have this, maybe this I- incredible skill. You know what I mean? Like just everything works for them. They're great at everything. But what I, I'm not necessarily looking for that for that student. If that student also becomes consistent and is willing to submit to Christ, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, right? Yeah. But what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for the student who's, who's the hungriest. I'm looking for the one that wants to run towards Jesus. I'm looking for the one that wants to build God's kingdom, not build their own kingdom. Mm-hmm. Because traditionally what we've seen in youth ministry as we've seen pastors looking for these alphas, and they're trying to they're trying to d- disciple consistency into somebody who's a natural mm-hmm. leader. I've always found it to be significantly easier to disciple leadership into yeah. somebody who's consistent, mm-hmm. right? Um, because then you don't have to go through the process of unlearning things uh, with them. And another piece of advice that I would give to people going into youth ministry is stop ignoring your junior hires. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has to be one of the main yeah. main main places that the that the youth pastor that the main youth pastor has to focus on. Uh, one of the things that we need to realize is that youth ministry does have a pretty high refresh rate, right? Like so, um, in 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 big church, you know, people can be there for generations, right? But in youth ministry, you have a window of you know four to six years with students, and then you start getting new students coming in, and you start having some of your old seniors graduating out. So one of the things that we have uh, at our advantage is if I can capture the hearts of the junior hires, and if I can make sure that uh, they understand our culture, then that's going to be something that they grab onto, and and, and they're going to lead with. Now, in, in, instead of um, you know just me being the one that's working to, you know, make sure that our, our culture uh, is is spreading out in our youth ministry. Now I have a whole bunch of students that are growing up because really, I mean, you're doing yourself a favor by playing that long game because mm-hmm. in three or four or five years, that all that time you spent with those junior hires uh, is going to pay off. They're going to be your strongest leaders. Yep. I mean, think about, think about having juniors and seniors in your youth ministry that understand your culture, that understand your language, and that are fully loyal and fully committed. That only happens if if you invest in those mm-hmm. in those in those students in those junior hires. And I know youth pastors are like, oh my gosh, they're so annoying. Those are, <laughs> those kids aren't for me. Yeah, well, they are annoying at first. They're young and they're immature, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to mold them. You need to shape them, right? Yeah. Like if you get a lump of clay, it's not going to be pretty. Right until you until you shape it until you mold it until you turn it into what uh, it's supposed to be, uh, you know. And so for junior hires, man, just love them. Like it's so easy to like go out to their games and to go out to their practices and to go out to their plays and to just be supportive of them. Uh, and then you know it, it's funny because if you consistently meet them where where they're at and if you care about what's important to them, then that that's going to be reciprocated. They're going to start caring about what's important to you and they're going to become some of your best leaders in your youth ministry. The next one I have is how do you maintain integrity in your life? Well, I don't, um, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> just I think <laughs> I think I think with with integrity. Um, and I, and I think I, I think I need to camp on this for just a minute because um, I think in our culture today, it's so easy to have an appearance of integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because in the church, we worship people who can get on a stage and communicate really, really well. Yeah. Right. Um, I think. I love what Pastor Al Toledo says. Um, he says that if you want to be publicly fruitful, you need to be privately healthy. Mm-hmm. And when you think about what's riding on on our assignment, right? Like, what's your assignment? Who gave you this assignment? I, and again, I'll, I'll reference Ephesians 4 where, where God says, like, where Paul says to the church of Ephesus, like, remember your high calling. And he's reminding them of their assignment. And when you're, when, when you, when you're, when you're constantly reminded of your assignment, then, then living a life of integrity isn't about just following rules. Mm. It's about it's about walking in the anointing. It's about walking with the Holy Spirit. It's about being prepared in season and out of season. It's it's about being more than just a surface Christian. Um, and, and 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 walking in integrity is so much more about like, well, you know, when I go home, I'm not looking at porn. And when mm-hmm. I go home, I'm not like um, I, I'm not like uh, I'm not watching bad shows and I'm not like cussing and I'm not like, you know, like doing drugs. on You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. like it's it's so much more than that. It's it's like having honor um, with to, to people. It's not slandering people behind their back. It's not cheating. It's not taking the easy way out. It's 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 listening to the voice of God. It's it's making sure that you are walking in step with the Holy Spirit Integrity is, is, is a million small daily decisions. And we always look at having integrity mm-hmm. as like the big decisions. I chose the right thing. You know, well, integrity is also the small daily decisions. It's it, it, living a life of integrity is living a life of integrity all of the time. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so for the young pastors that are, that are coming into this, uh, just remember, like, I, I, I always look at, I always look at this the story of 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 Paul in Acts 19 and the sons of Siva, right? And this is just a comparison that I've made all of the time. You have Paul who comes into Ephesus and Paul is 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 making tents and Paul Paul at this point he's on his third missionary journey. So I mean like he's been beaten to within an inch of his life. He's been chased out of cities. There's been assassination attempts on his life. He's been stoned to death. Uh, almost to death and dragged out of a city and left for dead is what I meant to say. And then he gets back up and he starts preaching again. I mean, like this is a guy who's been shipwrecked. Uh, he, mm-hmm. He's been beaten with rods. He's been thrown in prison and he keeps going because he understands his assignment. Right. Yeah. And so he, he goes into Ephesus and he's making tents so that he can fund his, 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 his missionary journey. And so he can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I mean, he's putting his life on the line. It means everything to him. And then you, you, you see these, these other people coming in, these seven sons of Siva, who are, these, who are these disciples of a leading priest. So all of a sudden, they've got a title, don't they? Right? Mm-hmm. They've got a title. Uh, they've got this decoration. They're priests. They're known as priests, so they would be in these priestly garments. 
They would look really, really nice. They have a title. They have the garments. They have the decoration. They have the declaration. The seven sons of Siva, they roll up on this demon-possessed guy. And they're like, in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. Like, we're taught to say in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a prayer and you're, and, you're, and you're trying to lay hands on somebody and pray on somebody, like, especially in evangelicalism, you've been taught to say in the name of Jesus, like, be healed in the name of Jesus, or I cast you out in the name of Jesus, right? And so these guys are saying all of the right things, and yet the demon that's within the man that they're, they're trying to cast out of this guy He's not phased at all. He says, he says this, he says this to the seven sons of Siva. He says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? Right? Yeah. And so, like, when when we're when we're talking about living a life of integrity, like, are we walking in such a way that it makes hell tremble? Mm. Are there footholds in our lives? Like, are we walking with Christ? Do we know our assignment? Mm. And I think it's really funny because the seven sons of Siva. They had the decoration, they had the declaration, but what they didn't have is the dedication, the integrity. And you want to know what's really scary about the seven sons of Siva is that that whole story in Acts 19, if you read that section of the seven sons of Siva, right before that, Paul is able to heal people and demons are cast out just by just by touching like his handkerchief or his apron. That handkerchief would be like a sweaty rag that he tied on his head to keep his hair out of his face when he was making tents. That apron that he would be wearing would be a large, thick leather apron mm-hmm. that he would wear to keep himself from like cutting himself or bludgeoning himself when he was making tents, working for the gospel. And people were were touching that stuff and they were they would be healed and like demons would be driven out. I don't believe that God was anointing like just a piece of cloth. I think that God was anointing Paul's dedication, his integrity, mm-hmm. his walk, right? I think there's something to be said for that. And here's the crazy thing about the seven sons of Siva. When you start reading that story, it says that they went from town to town casting out evil spirits. So these guys had a measure of success. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say to Christian leaders, and I would even say to students, like, you can live a life that doesn't have a lot of integrity and, and look like you have all of this holiness on the surface. You can have the decoration. You can have the declaration. But, but, but like, it, could it be that the enemy is just allowing you to have temporary success? Could it be that the enemy is just allowing you to gain a following so that when you arrive at the largest place that you've ever arrived at, and Ephesus was probably the fourth or third largest city in that time. It was, the, it was the home of one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Diana or Artemis, depending if you are Roman or Greek. Um, and so people were coming from all over the place. And so now these, these seven sons of Siva are on the biggest stage they've ever been on. Everybody's looking at them. And then what ends up happening they get exposed. The demon jumps on them and beats them naked. Now, here's the crazy thing, and I'm going to be done after this. You guys got me, you guys got me talking about this. Thing. <laughs> the The word there for for naked is actually hymnos. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. I apologize. I don't have like I'm not like fluent in Greek. It's hymnos or hymnoso, which means that they were actually beaten to their undergarments. Like they weren't like running out and totally nude, totally butt naked, like butt cheeks, you know, like flying away from the house, right? They were, they were actually, the only thing that the Bible says is that their priestly garments were ripped off of them. Mm. And that's significant. Yeah. Because listen, you can have the title, but, but the thing is, is that, that the Lord is not going to allow you to maintain that influence in those priestly garments if you're just doing this 
for the title if you if you don't walk in integrity. Everything that that showed off that they should have been positional priests that were that were daily in God's presence, that daily understood what it was like to walk in the glory of God, the enemy was able to rip that off of them and expose who they really were. And they left. They came in priests and they left common. Dang. So wow. I don't know. I, I think walking in integrity based on what mm-hmm. we're really dealing with in this world yeah. is extremely important. Think about what Paul says. Paul says, I, I didn't come with persuasive words. I'm not eloquent. Like People fell asleep and fell out of windows <laughs> during Paul's messages, right? Like, just, yeah. poof, and, But like Paul walked in the anointing so that when somebody did fall asleep and die in one of his messages, he was able to raise him from the dead. <laughs> so there's that. Like if you're a long-winded, boring preacher, please make sure you're walking in the anointing so that if somebody <laughs> dies during your sermon, you can raise them up. That'll blow people's minds, right? Whoa. That'll get them. Like, you know, if I see somebody fall out of a window and they're dead and the pastor who was super boring before raises them from the dead. I'd be like, I, okay. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm with that guy. I'm invested. Yeah. I'm invested now. Like, <laughs> you oh, got me. okay. You know what I mean? And so what we've become invested in as the church of today is we've become invested in the eloquent words mm. and not the works of power. Wow. Uh, it's true. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that guy's such an incredible preacher. He's such an incredible wordsmith. He just gets up on the stage and he's just so eloquent. Oh my gosh. And like, mm. we follow after that. And yeah, that's super sexy, right? Like, wow. And, and that's an anointing. The Bible says that like in Ephesians 4, like I'm all over, <laughs> read the book of Ephesians. Amazing, right? Like, like that, that a gift from God are, are prophets, apostles, teachers, right? So like mm-hmm. you can have a very good teacher and that's a gift from God. But if they're just a good teacher and they're not walking in integrity, there's not going to be anything an, a, a, anointed in it. And, and for me as a, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want God working through me, mm-hmm. not in spite of me. Let me finish by asking you guys a question, right? Like, what are some of the things that you respect in, in, in leadership? Like your generation, what would you say to current leaders now, the people who are leading your generation, not leaders in your generation, but leaders of your generation? And I, and I think they can be synonymous mm-hmm. sometimes. I think leaders in your generation can be leaders of your generation. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying like, what would you say to the people who have come before you? Give us something solid that we can use right now to start effectively ministering to your generation that maybe we're not thinking about? That's a tough question. Yeah. Hey, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so two things come to mind for me, and maybe it like goes into the same thing. But for me, the first one, and I kind of mentioned it last week in what we were talking about, but um, if you aren't willing to build a relationship with them, actually, it might be more than just last week. We, I feel like we've talked about it a lot, but there's something like mm-hmm. I really like. You hit on this a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's it's important. It's important. It's 100% important. So go ahead. So hit already, it again. You already go know again. where I'm going. <laughs> um, if you're not willing to put in time or you're not willing to build a relationship with someone, the words you have to say are going to mean absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. going to care what you have to say. And like you said it a few times too, like, our generation and like the generation that's coming up, like they care so much about people and they want to like, they want to know your character. They want to know like 
your heart. It's not just about the position. It's about actually knowing you. So, like, if you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to, um, you're not willing to build that relationship. You're not willing to uh, disciple, mentor, reverse mentor, um, like we talked about on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, actually, show them that you're willing to put in time. That they're more than just a person in your youth group. They're they're another like human being that you want to get to know. Um, if you're not willing to do that, I mean, you can kiss any chances of growing or any chance of really knowing them or them actually listening to you goodbye. Yeah. And then the other one for me is, um, like, personally for me, I don't like it, like, I don't like if I'm, like, super, like, if I'm called out in front of, like, a bunch of people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, being called out and, like, maybe maybe there are times for that when you, like, it's like, hey, you need it, yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying I don't need it, but, like, um, there's times when, not just times, like, I would much rather be pulled aside and talked to one-on-one than be called out or made an example of in front yeah. of a group of people. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's, I mean, obviously there's people who don't care, and, like, they're like, yeah, you can go ahead and say in front of no, people. I, but yeah, like, I think I think people handle it better, but nobody likes to be publicly shamed. Yeah, and so oh, for sure. that's just for me, because I know, I know there are a lot of people who, don't really think about that and they're just like hey i'm gonna call you out right now and we're just gonna be done with it but i mean the underlying effects that like i've seen in me like i know other people are going to be like that too and so the un- underlying effects the under like the beneath the surface feelings or beneath the surface ways they're now thinking about you or not wanting to come back i mean it's i mean to yeah. me like that's just not something you can do as a leader, if you're if you're acting out publicly, there's going to be moments where I'm going to have to call you out publicly. Yeah, there just is, and I think your generation needs to understand that. Like, if like I'm not going to pull you aside privately if you were a massive public distraction, because then people th- are going to think that you yeah. you're getting away with something. Mm-hmm. But I think it's always better to pull somebody aside, even if you have to call them out publicly. Really make an effort. Don't leave it there. Don't yeah. leave it there. Yeah. Like pull them aside and be like, "Hey, this is why I had to do this. You were like being a total idiot." Uh, in youth ministry and you were being a massive distraction. So I, I had to call you out because we can't let people think that they can get away with that kind of behavior. Yeah. I just want to let you know I love you and I believe you. And you need to see that you're a leader and and you were leading people down the wrong road. And if you would just change the way you were doing things and start leading people down the right road, you could have a powerful influence in this youth ministry and a major impact. Like if you could learn how to like spin that and speak life mm-hmm. into yeah. the situation, I think that's I think that's super important. Yeah. Cole, anything? Um, I have one more thing though. Oh, just, you do? Yeah. Okay. Just you can keep um, thinking real quick before well, I we move it, on, I if that's it. okay. I got it. Right. Um, I'll just give one thing because to me, this is like the biggest thing that it, it's like, it's, it's crucial if you're going to be the leader of the next generation and it's, you know, you were talking about it, integrity. And I just think integrity, like more so in not just like the spiritual sense, but in everything you do. Uh, yeah. 100% everything you do. You touched a lot on the spiritual sense, and that is fantastic. It blew my mind. You know, it, it's totally important to have spiritual integrity. But like it just in the way that you portray yourself and the way that you treat others, if, it's, if it does not line up from like how you are in church to how you are at your job or to how you are at home or to how you are um, hanging out with friends. If anything ever gets out about that lack of integrity, not being 
consistent with enemy. You think enemy the enemy won't use that? Oh, he's definitely going to use that. You're going to get smoked. 100%. Especially, and especially in cancel culture. Exactly. You're done. Exactly. If anything comes <laughs> out and the next generation hears about it or gets any wind about it, and it could, it, but sadly, it could be things that happened 10 years ago yeah. and so, so long ago, like before you were saved. And then people are looking for an excuse always to cancel you. And here's the thing like, Nobody's perfect. Okay, so for the younger generation that's coming, cancel culture is absolute nonsense. It's absolute garbage. And and, and, and here's the why. Because what you're here's the thing that you're saying. You're, yeah. you're just anybody who's a part of cancel culture is an absolute hypocrite. They yeah. really are. You are an absolute. You are an absolute hypocrite. Because what you're saying in this moment is, I am perfect, and I have done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. and I and I don't deserve ever ever to be canceled. Yeah. Well, okay, hold, hold on. The only one that is perfect was Jesus Christ. Yep. And if anybody had the right to cancel us, it was him, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who existed from eternity in the past and who will exist for eternity in the future, the one who is seated on his throne while angels are singing, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. If anybody, if anybody has the right to mm-hmm. cancel us, it was him, especially after we committed high treason and decided to look to idols instead of looking to the King of kings and Lord of lords who hung stars in the sky, literally, while angels were hanging, uh, were, 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 were praising his name. And he didn't cancel us, but you get to cancel somebody? Look, I get holding people accountable, but when you say there is no grace, you are totally eradicated from ever living in the in, in the way that you were living before. What you are saying is redemption doesn't matter anymore. And mm-hmm. I just want to warn you, if redemption doesn't matter for them, it also doesn't matter for you. Yeah. Right? That's true. So stop being hypocrites. Uh, and stop with the cancel culture stuff. I mean, I just think it's anyway. Sorry for that rant. We love you. It, it by makes the way. me nuts. We still love you. It makes yeah. me nuts. Like it makes me absolutely nuts. Yeah. Don't cancel people. Jesus didn't cancel you, and he's never going to. So Amen. I think we have to wrap it up with that sentiment. We love you guys so so much. Yeah, um, please, uh, if you have any other questions that you would like to submit to the show or youth pastors leaders, if you would like to submit some answers or some insights, students too. Uh, please feel free to do that in the comments. We will see you guys next week. Make sure that you are following us on Facebook. Uh, What else are we on? YouTube. YouTube. uh, Instagram. Instagram. TikTok. 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 Pretty much Spotify, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Any streaming services that are available. Pretty much everything Everything. that you know. (laughs) Everything that streams. Pretty much. Not We're Twitch, available. though. We're not on Twitch. Not actual streams, but like streaming. Yeah, it's, Stream. you get the gist. See you next <laughs> week, everybody.